Let me know if this sounds familiar. Communists building a base in Cuba. Missiles pointed at the United States. Where have we heard that before? In 1962, it was Soviet missiles, and John Kennedy put his foot down. In 2023, it's China. And where is the president's son getting much of his money? And are you hearing about this in the media? Well, in a world gone mad, you need a big, fat helping of the truth. And the master of the truth is TNN. The Truth News Network. And your master of ceremonies is Dan Newman. You want one big fact that is undisputable. The world is on fire. I mean, absolutely on fire. I don't remember it being like this. Maybe it has been. Maybe when we were in World War II fighting one part of the war in Europe because Hitler invaded over there, and then the other part was in the Pacific where Tokyo bombed Pearl Harbor. Maybe then the fire of Earth may be similar to what we're experiencing now. But don't ever think it can't get worse. Oh my gosh, prophet of doom. No, I'm not saying that at all. Good morning, everybody. Never come here expecting to hear doom and gloom because I'm always, my glass is half full. That's the kind of person I am. I believe God's in control ultimately. And he's looking out for us. He's looking for the best things that uh, we need to have and where we should be in our lives. And he wants us to go there. Fear, hatred, anger, none of those fit what God's plan for man is. Those are things that we create. And when I say man, I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about everybody on the planet. It seems like we jump on somebody when they're in trouble. Instead of going to help them, we just scream and holler and point fingers at them saying, you've surely done something wrong. You're evil or these things wouldn't be happening to you. It's not always that way. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And so how do we handle it if we're the good people that something bad happened to? We can't launch into desperation. We will never achieve peace if we jump into desperation every time something bad happens. we got to find a place to live where we're doing the right things, staying away from the bad things, the wrong things, not trying to beat up on others, just trying to take care of ourselves and help a, a handful of people around us in our circle of influence. Just think if everybody would do that, how much better the world would be today. Now we look around, we don't trust anybody. I mean, the president's granddaughter, her Secret Service cover people in Washington, D.C., a Secret Service guy, I guess it was a guy, may not have been a guy, may have been a woman, but opened fire on somebody breaking into their vehicle. That's not supposed to happen. Not the president, his granddaughter. And so you put that in the context of our good friend Mike Johnson's now Speaker of the House, the things that I've shared with you, how his life and the lives of his family members have just moved 180 degrees in a direction they weren't expecting since becoming House Speaker. Why? Because he's second in the line 
to be the president should something happen to the president and or the vice president. He wouldn't be the person that would assume the presidency. And so very often things change on a dime. Sadly, when they do, most of the time we're not prepared for them. So what are we going to do today? What are we going to talk about today? Ways for us to prepare. We've got inflation numbers in for last month. A whole lot of other things. So you stay close, okay? I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. All from my city, all from my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off it. Moving so phenomenally. Come on, lock the way we rock it. So don't stop. And under the lights when everything goes. Nowhere to hide when I'm getting you close.
good song to start the show with today. Hello again. If you weren't at the top of the show, I just want to say hello. And I just got something. I just got a text from James Posey. <laughs> and he's a longtime friend of mine. He's a great drummer. We played in a band at church together for a lot of years. But uh, let me just say this, James. You don't need to get to dancing. You need to stay on the drums. He sent me a short video. Oh, my gosh. I got to slaughter a hog to get that picture out of my head. I'm joking. I'm joking. James knows how much I care for him and always have. And I do for you, too, even though many of you I don't know. I don't know yet. Well, yes, we did have a slight decline in inflation in the month of October. But don't get all excited remains inflation does well above the Fed's target. And they have time, they reminded us this morning, for one more interest rate hike before the end of the year. What does that mean? That means they're probably going to raise rates next month. So what are the numbers today? The CPI, Consumer Price Index, it increased 3.2% on an annual basis in October compared to 3.7% in September. That's slightly below expectations of 3.3%, which excludes the volatile categories of energy and food. Now, I don't know why they strip those two sectors of our economy out because we all use energy, and dadgummit, not just James Posey, we all use food. They ought to all leave it lumped in there together. So taking those out, though, we're told it remained high inflation, rising 4% year-over-year in October. That's compared to 4.1% in September. So, E.J. Antoni, who's a a research fellow, couldn't get that word out. He works at the Heritage Foundation's Grover Herman Center for the Federal Budget. He said this, the idea that earnings are outpacing inflation is a lie. It ain't true, in other words. Unfortunately, inflation isn't going away, and it won't go away until we get the spending and borrowing in D.C. under control. And there's no sign of that happening anytime soon. The lack of stable prices is going to continue dragging on the economy. You simply never have inflation like we've seen the last two and a half years, and then not have, uh uh-oh, Uh Uh-oh, he's bringing up the R word. Never seen this kind of stuff happen without there being a recession. We're not supposed to say that term in America. That's impossible. Joe Biden's president. He'll never let a recession come in here, right? Wrong. He's one of the chief reasons we are teetering on the edge of recession and have been since he took his oath of office. The man knows how to spend money. And he does it in dramatic fashion. Acts like there is an unending supply of it somewhere. And it is. It's kind of like my wife used to be. As long as she has checks in the checkbook, that means we got money in the bank. So just keep writing checks. Uncle Joe, we ain't got no more money in the bank. Quit writing the checks and let's work hard to figure out how to stop spending all the money in the checkbook every few weeks and having to go borrow more money. It's like kids. 
When kids go to college, if those of you that have had this happen, you know what I'm about to say. If you haven't, you got kids that aren't at that age yet, get ready because this is what's going to happen. We always, we all, all of us always, we give the kid a credit card because mom, dad, you can't send me off to college without having a safety net, a financial safety net. Well, okay, son, okay, daughter, okay, (laughs) non-binary, here's the credit card. But you only use it for major expenses and only when you have to. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And then about six weeks into their first semester at college, they call home one night and say, Mom, Dad, I'm in desperation. I don't have any room on my credit card, and I've got to buy food tomorrow. What do I do? And they just go on and on and on, and finally you say, i got to put this to bed. Hey, listen, I'll FedEx you another credit card tomorrow. You'll get it the next day. Borrow some money, 10 or 20 bucks from a friend, and the credit card will be there day after tomorrow. That's what Joe Biden does. That is what most presidents and most members of Congress have always done. They don't care about debt. They don't care about interest rates. The only time they talk about doing things that are good for you and I, the voters and the citizens, is when they're either campaigning for re-election or they're wanting to become, for the first time, whatever position they want to occupy in the federal government. If you elect me, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure everybody has all of their needs taken care of financially. Why? That's the kind of person we are, not those other evil people that are different from us. We've got your back. We hear that all the time. I'm sick of it. You're sick of it. How do you tell when a politician is lying? Just watch their lips. If they're moving, it is likely they're lying. So what do we have in the news today? There is news out of the Middle East. There's news out of the White House, a bunch of news out of the White House, there's Donald Trump news, and as long as he is facing litigation, any kind of hearing, any kind of court stuff, he'll be an everyday thing. We're going to let you hear from the greatest brain surgeon candidate coming out of the Biden administration, and she's a media person, Hmm, and she has some great words of wisdom for you, plus... The left are trying to scare every Democrat, every Democrat wannabe that's here illegally, trying to scare them to death. They're talking to illegal aliens now. They being the Democrat Party through their leftist media outlets. Here's what they're telling them. Illegal aliens being deported is a horrifying reality. Well, it really isn't right now. We're not deporting anybody. You know, we're not doing what the law says to do. So how could it be a horrifying reality, deportation? Well, they hang this, this statement, illegal aliens being deported, a horrifying reality if Donald Trump is elected. 
Trump's immigration agenda was detailed in the New York Times over the weekend. I don't know if you've seen it. Here's what the plan includes. Mass deportations of illegal aliens, an end to birthright citizenship for the U.S.-born children of illegals, a large-scale increase in immigration detention space, the end of former President Obama's DACA program for illegal aliens, a travel ban for countries with a history of exporting terrorism, safe third country agreements to end asylum shopping, the reinstatement of the Remain in Mexico policy, the reimposition of Title 42 to better control the southern border. Oh my gosh, every one of those. They're horrible. They're going to destroy people's lives. They don't want to think about or talk about or mention or even discuss the possibility that these people deserve every point that you just heard is part of Trump's immigration agenda if he's elected. So in response to that list, the Biden campaign spokesman Amar Musa told Politico the plan is a horrifying reality that awaits the American people. Wait a minute. We don't deport the American people, do we? By law, who is supposed to be deported? Every person that steps into the United States illegally, according to federal immigration law that Joe Biden was part of crafting when he was in the Senate, every alien, illegal alien that comes into the United States without a formal written invitation by an authorized member of the federal government must be immediately deported back to the nation where they came from. Every single one. Mass detention camps, attempts to deny children born here citizenship, uprooting families with mass deportations. This is the horrifying reality that awaits the American people if Donald Trump is allowed anywhere near the Oval Office again. That's that Democrat Party spokesman. Musa, these extreme racist, cruel policies dreamed up by him and his henchman Stephen Miller are meant to stoke fear and divide us. Betting a scared and divided nation is how he wins this election. No, he didn't make any of that up. It's written in the law. Do you do you know what federal law actually says? about illegal immigration. I'm typing quickly because I want to read you some of it. I'll just flip up here. Let's see. The U.S. Code is a collection of all the laws in the United States. Let me find the... um, Here it is right here. Let me find this for you. General Provisions... No, I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm not going to spend much time here. I wasn't thinking about drawing this up there, but uh, I thought it would be critical for you to see immigration and nationality. I'm not even going to stay here. What I told you is a summation of what the law says 
Anybody that does that comes across the border without a written formal invitation to do so by a authorized person of the federal government. That person is to be immediately sent back to the country from where they came. And by the way, it also, the next clause in that law, says that anybody that assists their doing so is also guilty of a federal crime. None of that matters to these people. Mousa, Musa, however he pronounces his name, the spokesperson in the Biden administration, what they're doing is stoking fear, telling lies and stoking fear. Go figure, anybody would think it's an evil thing if anybody enforces the law because that's the basis on which everybody wants to come here and benefit from protection under the law. That's a huge thing to people that live in Central America and South America. Do you you understand that? You think we fear the law enforcement processes that come out of the Biden Department of Justice? There's no equal justice under the law here now. There's at least two levels of it, maybe three or four. That's proven over and over and over again during Biden's three and a half years. Three years. Over and over again. If your name is followed by a D as being a registered Democrat, you're exempt. However, if you have any letter but a D, an I or an R, independent or Republican, you're toast. They will come after you with a vengeance and they don't care about the law. Unless, of course, they get in trouble under the law and then they start screaming and hollering for help. All of this plays into what happened yesterday. One thing that happened yesterday in the U.S. House of Representatives. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia, numerous times has filed motions for impeachment. One impeachment for Joe Biden, a second for DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Both of those guys without question, are implicated under these federal laws. And they're doing this, opening our borders, letting people coming in, not following the law regarding deportations. Those are impeachable offenses. And last night, I spent a while looking into the terminology, definition, circumstances that allow consideration of this. Treason. Oh, my gosh. You think we ought to go that far? We're talking about the President of the United States and the Secretary of Department of Homeland Security? Yeah. Treason is one of the clauses, the very specific clauses, that spell out what a person, a federal person in government, can be impeached for. So have you thought about, ever thought about what the definition of Impeachment is treason. Those who are guilty of treason, high crimes or misdemeanors. Treason is defined as the offense of attempting by overt actions to overthrow the government of the state to which the offender owes allegiance or to kill or personally injure the sovereign or the sovereign's family. Now, that is a 
definition coming out of Webster's Dictionary. Let's just look at another one. Treason is a crime of attacking a state authority to which one owes allegiance. This typically includes acts like participating in a war against one's native country, attempting to overthrow its government, spying on its military, its diplomats, or its secret services for a hostile and foreign power, or attempting to kill its head of state. A person who commits treason is known in law as a traitor. Historically in common law countries, treason also covered the murder of specific social superiors like the murder of a husband by his wife or that of a master by a servant. Treason against one's monarch was known as high treason, and treason against a lesser superior was petty treason. As jurisdictions around the world abolished the petty treason, treason came to refer to what was historically known as high treason. Bet you didn't know that. Now, nobody can credibly maintain that Joe Biden killed anybody, or that Alejandro Mayorkas killed anybody, but there have been hundreds of thousands of Americans that have lost their lives because of the actions of those who are here in the United States at the behest of President Joe Biden and Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas because they don't enforce the laws They are opening the door for these murderers to kill hundreds of thousands of Americans. Nobody thinks about that. And then we have Xi Jinping, the communist dictator, coming to San Francisco to meet with Uncle Joe today. That is the epitome. He, Xi Jinping, is the epitome of somebody that gives no rip at all about life and death. None whatsoever. How do I know that? Why can you say that? They provide the substances to anybody around the globe that are necessary to make fentanyl. Fentanyl, that same fentanyl that is being sent from China to Mexico, the cartel laboratories there are converting it into the finished product, fentanyl, fentanyl poisoning, and billions, with a B, billions of fentanyl pills have been caught coming across the southern border among these uh, cartel members smuggling people and drugs in. And 100,000 young Americans have died each of the last three years because of Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas not enforcing immigration laws. Is there not a price to pay for doing that? Is life not precious enough to make it worth stopping those things from happening? So in that motion yesterday by Marjorie Greene, the House voted to refer those articles of impeachment against Mayorkas, refer them to committee. Now, what does that mean? It's it, it, He's not going to be impeached. And, of course, all these people that are getting crazy, they're going nuts about, we've got to impeach Joe Biden. We've got to impeach Mayorkas. We've got to impeach this person and that person because they're violating laws every day. The impeachment process is not a criminal process. 
Now, what's the difference, Dan? It's wrong. It's illegal. Alleged actions that are impeachable actions, they are illegal. But the Constitution makes it very clear what we can do and what it takes to get it done. The U.S. House of Representatives can't impeach somebody and kick them out of office. They can debate and listen to testimony compared to the legal provisions of impeachment that are delineated in the U.S. Constitution, and then the full House can vote to impeach somebody or not to impeach somebody. But it doesn't stop there. That's only half the equation. The other half is in the U.S. Senate. The U.S. Senate, if the Senate Majority Leader brings such an impeachment bill to the floor to be considered, and that's not automatic, just because the House would vote articles of impeachment against Joe Biden or Alejandro Mayorkas, that doesn't mean the Senate's going to take it up. The Majority Leader in the Senate has the arbitrary constitutional power to take any bill up for consideration or to table it which is what happened yesterday in the House. And by the way, the reason it it was tabled was because there were not enough votes to be successful in voting articles of impeachment. So it's not even going to be considered. Why wouldn't the House under brand new Speaker Mike Johnson, why wouldn't they do that? Because it won't even get past, there were eight Republicans yesterday that joined the Democrats. So therefore, knowing those numbers, it wasn't brought to the floor even for consideration. But even if it was, even if they got 217 and the articles were marched across uh, the Capitol over to the Senate and handed ceremoniously to Majority Leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, he would, first of all, have the right to bring it up to be considered or not to. And let's just say he did bring it up, and they voted to have a trial of Alejandro Mayorkas and or Joe Biden. And the trial happens. It takes two-thirds to remove somebody from that office. And there are not enough people in this U.S. Senate to kick Joe Biden or, sadly, Alejandro Mayorkas out of office. I know you don't like it. I don't like it, but it's the law. And contrary to Democrats and how they function and operate, which is if we don't like the laws, we just don't enforce them. That's why we have, I don't know, 25, 30 million illegals now in the United States since Joe brought five more, six more in since he's been president. That's why we have those people. They're here. So what is the only plausible solution to this. Elect the House with the sufficient majority and elect senators with the sufficient majority of conservatives that want to enforce the terms of the U.S. Constitution regarding impeachment and every other thing. That's the only way to get it done. It takes we the people. It doesn't take politicians to get this thing done. Now, there are a bunch of people that are hacked off at Mike Johnson today. They're blaming him for this. They're also blaming him that here we're looking at two days now to get a 
budget passed, sent over to the U.S. Senate because we run out of money the night of the 17th at midnight. Technically, we would default on our debt, our interest payments on the bonds. It's not going to happen, but that's another story. The point is, this is not something that's just recently occurred. This has been building and growing for months and years. Politicians are geared into one thing and one thing only, political stuff. They only get into the law stuff if and when somebody drags and pulls them into the middle of that circle. They don't like it. That's not a fun thing to be in Congress to be a part of. Unless, of course, it's a political opponent. And then you want them down there. You want to be the people up in the Coliseum that are screaming for the Lions to be successful eating the conservatives. Politicians, just because they get elected to very serious and important spots, doesn't mean they're good at what they're being elected to do. It means because they made voters in their respective districts and states confident enough for those voters to pull the lever for them or to push the button or write the names down. That's all it means. And then you start piling on the what-ifs, and you'll just go crazy, slap crazy trying to puzzle your way through it. So what do we do? Learn as much as you possibly can. Absorb as much of the right and the wrong things that are delineated in detail in the United States Constitution so you know what's okay, what's acceptable, and what's not. And then speak to people around you, giving them truth. I was asked this morning early, I was asked yesterday, I was asked last night by people, what should we do? We know Alejandro Mayorkas is breaking laws every day. We know Joe Biden's letting him do that. They're spending money illegally. Joe Biden is spending massive amounts of dollars illegally. And when people in Congress, the oversight people in Congress, when they reach out to get documentation from the White House about the apparent illegal spending of taxpayer dollars through executive order by Joe Biden, they refuse to turn over the documents that prove it. And so what's the next step? They file a Freedom of Information Act in the courts, and that means whoever they're filed against must turn over the documents. Congress has done that. Guess what the Biden White House said? Hey, you see that finger, my middle finger? We're not giving you anything. We don't hear a lot about these kind of things. But most people... Most of the 535 people that serve in Congress, most of them, listen, they're not all bad people. Many of them are not, but many of them are. And those, they don't give a rat's patootie what you or I think. You don't like what I'm doing? Do something about it. That's their mindset. I hate to tell you about that, but that's the way it is. 
That's the way it is. Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, I like him a lot. Sometimes I think he gets a little over the line. He goes hard to the right. I get that. But you know what? Those are his personal feelings. I have personal feelings. I want Rand Paul to respect mine. I respect his. And remember, the underlying thing through everything we ever talk about here is just because I say something, I believe something is so, that doesn't automatically make it so. Same for you. Just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. And the opposite is true. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But there's truth in everything, in every process, in every sentence, in every paragraph. There's truth there, even if you find out the things that you thought were true or not, it's still somewhere inside of that. We just have to nail it down and guarantee by finding out for certain something is real or something is wrong. Rand Paul, he got into a discussion about what's going to happen at our southern border. What must happen at our southern border? Unless you change the law and allow people who come across the river illegally to be immediately put back on the other side, unless you change the law to do that, nothing's going to change. I suspect what Democrats will call border security is a bunch of money to New York City to house illegal immigrants yeah. and migrant paying for migrant hotels around the country, maybe sending the migrants to Disney World. But it's not going to be sending the migrants back across the Rio Grande. So I'm very suspicious of it. But I also don't like the fact that they're lumping it into a bill with another 50, 60 billion dollars to Ukraine and no pay fors and no conditions. No conditions that Ukraine's got to do something. No, no. We're paying for Ukraine pensions. Mm. We're paying for Ukraine workers. We're paying for Ukraine small businesses. I mean, there's some dress shop over there got a grant from us. I mean, this is crazy, and Americans are not for this. You know, we have I, to borrow the money from China to send it to Ukraine. That's one particular thing that what I'm talking about, and what we've been talking about since the top of the show. That's one thing, southern border stuff. Let me give you some examples of other things. Judges in two cases now have slapped Donald Trump with gag orders. Gag orders, meaning you can't talk about any of this stuff. We're trying you. The feds are trying you, but you can't talk about it because that will, of course, impact what people think and what people say in the courtroom, and you just can't do that. Well, You and I both know that's a violation of the First Amendment. 56% of voters in the U.S. say that them doing that to Donald Trump violates Trump's rights to freedom of speech. Americans by wide margins say gag orders himself imposed by judges against Trump violate Trump's right to free speech. 56% of voters say orders barring him from commenting on the cases that are filed against him. That undermines his First Amendment guarantees. And another 32% said the orders did not infringe on his right. How do those 32% come up with that? 12% said they weren't sure. One exclusive poll of more than 1,000 U.S. adults comes as Trump, his lawyers, and voters grapple 
with the implications of curtailing the speech of any prominent politician. Even Democrats say the former president should be allowed to speak his mind. Gag orders are not unheard of in high-profile cases, but courts have never had to wrestle before with whether they can curb the speech of a leading presidential candidate. Trump's supporters have posted angrily online against the orders, and everybody realizes the only way Trump can support himself Looking down a year from now, an election for the presidency and the mainstream media every day are out there thumping him, lying about him, saying all kinds of evil things. These judges in the courtroom are telling him to shut up. Don't talk about that. He can't even defend himself in court. So their gag orders not only stop his First Amendment rights, they're stifling his constitutional rights to express himself in support of himself in a courtroom. Elise Stefanik of New York, a Republican congresswoman, she called a gag order unconstitutional and illegal. She said Trump was effectively being blocked from revealing problems in a civil case against him. He couldn't even, the judge wouldn't even let him talk about it. Right-wing commentator Libby Emmons said the order only goes in one direction, one direction, to silence Trump. Trump has been hit with gag orders in two of the cases against him. District Judge Chanda Tanya Chutkin in D.C., imposed a gag order October 16th, restricting his speech about those involved in the case accusing him of scheming to overturn his 2020 election loss. That judge, that federal judge says he can't even say, no, I did not scheme. He can't even say that. He's under a gag order. Her order Stop Trump from targeting Jack Smith, the special counsel prosecuting his case. No, wait a minute. Jack Smith... He says all kind of crap, allegations out the wazoo against Trump. None of it, none of it proven in a courtroom, none of it. But he can say anything he wants to. Donald Trump, he can't even come out and defend himself. Even on the same outlets, news outlets, go to the same place where Jack Smith is making his cake case to the public against Trump. Trump can't go there and defend himself. Now, a federal appeals court temporarily lifted that order on Friday and set arguments for November 20th before a panel of three judges, all appointees, by the way, of Democrat presidents. So how is that going to come out, huh? Trump this week testified in the civil fraud trial against him where he's been fined twice for breaking a gag order. This gag order violates Trump's First Amendment rights, those of over 100 million Americans who listened to him. His lawyers said prosecutors have provided no evidence that potential witnesses or anyone else felt intimidated by the former president's social media post. Judge Arthur N. Gorin, the one in New York, that civil trial, 
slapped a separate gag order on Trump during the New York civil fraud trial over inflated property values by his family business. And Garan has twice fined Trump for violating his order, which bars him from criticizing the judge's law clerk. Does that sound a tad trivial? What about that law clerk? Well, there's some wrongdoing on the part of the judge's law clerk. Alleged wrongdoing. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin, let's go back to D.C. Her gag order. Respondents to this poll about how Americans feel about all this Trump gag order stuff, especially men who responded, and those living in the South and the Northeast, they call it a violation of Donald Trump's right to free speech. Seven in ten Republicans said the gag order went too far, as did a sizable 57% of Democrats. More than half of Democrats say, let the man speak. Polls by the New York Times and Siena College found that President Joe Biden is trailing Trump in five of the six most important swing states one year before the election. The results show Biden losing to Trump, his likeliest rival, by margins of from four to ten percentage points among registered voters in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. But Trump's legals, his legal woes, they keep going. He's still facing four criminal cases, has made disparaging comments about prosecutors in each of them, as well as against the New York State Attorney General who brought civil fraud charges against him. Let me ask you a question. What kind of support for Donald Trump comes out of Joe Biden's mouth or Barack Obama's mouth or Hillary Clinton's mouth? They're all anti Donald Trump. They can say anything and everything they want to about Trump and his supporters. People like probably you and me. Hillary, oh my God, in her run for the White House that she got tanked away from being in the White House at all other than as Bill's babe for two terms. She can say anything. She put you and me just simply because we're Trump supporters in her basket of deplorables. She can say that. Do you realize Donald Trump could get popped again by this New York judge and Judge Chutkin in this federal court in D.C. if he said anything like that against Joe Biden because of a gag order? And those people laugh because conservatives feel strongly there's a two-tier justice system in the nation? What have they been smoking? I promise you it's not pill-mill, camels, or anything like that. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. 
And please forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, <laughs> you pick your champions, they're glorious, and their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian, they're spooky, they're um, um, big. And then you go to battle, and it's like, and finally, your foe is vanquished, and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh, download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. If you want a smart truck, you want an F-150 with available pro-trailer backup assist. If you want a strong truck, you want an F-150 with a high-strength military-grade aluminum alloy body. If you want a capable truck, you want an F-150 with up to 13,200 pounds of available towing. So to recap, you want the smart, the strong, the capable Ford F-150. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. I'm going to jump off this gag order of things after I point this one little oxymoron to you. Biden administration's own staffers, Joe Biden's own staffers, have turned on the president and are accusing him of spreading misinformation. Now listen to this. A coalition of State Department staffers are accusing Biden of spreading misinformation as he responds to the Israel-Hamas war. Now this came from an internal memo coming out of the White House. Without pointing to any specific moment, the memo reportedly talks about Biden's October 10th speech, which addressed Hamas's gruesome terrorist attack on Israel and called it an example of the misinformation the president is accused of spreading. One of the junior State Department employees who previously argued Biden's pro-Israel stance made him complicit in genocide organized the memo signed by a 100 State Department and U.S. Agency for International Development employees. Members of the White House and the National Security Council, by the way, displayed a clear disregard for the lives of Palestinians, a documented unwillingness to de-escalate, and even prior to October 7th, a reckless lack of strategic foresight. <laughs> Can you imagine Joe Biden anytime? in his life before October 7th, ever being open to even having a conversation about something like thinking the Palestinians were going to slaughter 1,500 Jews in Israel on an early Saturday morning. <laughs> and so these people are saying he was showing a reckless lack of strategic foresight. Well, I didn't see it either. So am I in the same boat as Joe? <laughs> The memo suggests that the Biden folks should advocate for the release of hostages being held by both Hamas and Israel. The staffers argue the president should be doing more to question Israel's response to Hamas's attack 
and criticized Biden for questioning how many Palestinian civilians have died in Gaza. Well, you know, every president's supposed to know all this stuff and have it stuck into their pocket so they can pull it out at any moment and share it with you and me. These Biden staffers, they weren't through yet. They add that Israel cutting off electricity and limiting aid to Gaza while carrying out attacks on Hamas that have affected hundreds of Palestinian civilians allegedly all constitute war crimes and or crimes against humanity under international law. I'm not an attorney, but let me tell you summarily what I do know about what they alleged. It ain't so. Why did Israel respond at all? They responded. Now, I wonder if any one of those sycophants in the White House and the fact that they're in the White House, the Joe Biden White House, that tells you something. We're not talking about the kind of people that are, you know, really committed to things like the rule of law and honoring oaths of office and enforcing laws and doing the right thing. Oh, no. Biden folks, everybody in that White House, including the one that sleeps with him, Jill, they think you can just fly by the seat of your pants and anything goes, anything except what they don't think should go. If they think differently from you, you don't have any right to have a differing opinion. Now, Democrats and other allies of the president have criticized Biden and his administration for being too pro-Israel. How would you feel? Let's just say this. There's a group of people, a large group of people in, let's say, uh, Virginia, who despise what all these 535 people in Congress and by the inhabitants of the White House, despise what they're doing, policies, so much so that they do a sneak attack into Washington over the weekend. And they slaughter 1,400 civilians in Washington, D.C. Now, what do you think would happen? Or let's just do it even more benign than thinking of D.C. because it's the nation's capital. I live right on the border of Louisiana and Texas. Let's just suppose some rednecks from southeast Texas one night decided to slip into Lake Charles, Louisiana, right across the border, and kill 1,400 citizens of the United States and citizens of Louisiana. What should our governor do the next day? You don't think that if Texans overnight came into Lake Charles, Louisiana and slaughtered in the middle of the night 1,400 citizens of Louisiana, that Louisiana has a right to retaliate. And then if and when Lake Charles and Louisiana folks retaliate, they're the bad guys? What are these people smoking? There is no way in your right mind you can say the things that they said. And if I was Joe Biden, well, thank God I'm not. But if I was, every person that signed that letter would be on the curb the same day. Well, you can't do that. Yes, you can. Do you remember what Ronald Reagan did? 
Air traffic controllers went on a massive strike. They demanded this and they demanded that. And, of course, when they go on strike, air traffic controllers, what happens? No planes fly. That's a pretty big deal. So they shut down the nation, basically, what they did. What did Reagan do? He fired them all. One day, fired every one of them. Well, that was kind of drastic. That was a nasty and really earth-shattering opinion for a president to do, right? Yeah. So you think Benjamin Netanyahu should have, shouldn't have retaliated at all of the deaths? You think, listen, if you're an educated person, sufficient to get a job inside the White House, if you're in that category of people, you think it's okay for Hamas to just keep going and be allowed to kill another 1,400 and another 1,400 and rape a few hundred more and behead a couple of dozen more babies. That's okay, right? And it's not okay for Benjamin Netanyahu to want to stop the slaughter of his innocent Israeli citizens and their babies. And he's not supposed to do whatever it takes to stop it from ever happening again. Oh, by the way, do you remember and realize that Hamas is different from Palestinian civilians? And Hamas dominates and terrorizes every Palestinian citizen that's not a member of Hamas. And they they do slaughter Palestinian innocent people. They do rape them. They do kidnap them. They do horrible things. They set up their operations inside of hospitals and schools, knowing or basically daring Benjamin Netanyahu and anybody else that wants to attack them to attack them, and they know these innocents are going to be killed when they're attacked. And did these people forget that Israel delayed a massive ground incursion for three weeks, telling those innocent Palestinians, get out of the Gaza Strip. Get out of Gaza. Go south. Get away from it because here's what we're going to do and we don't want you caught in the crossfire. Three weeks every day told them that. You think Hamas did that? You know, being right is something that I covet, but I don't demand it. I don't have the right to ever claim that I know everything about anything. I don't have that right. Even when I do, there may be somebody that has a differing opinion. And then having a different opinion doesn't mean I'm wrong. It means they have a different opinion from me. That's okay. But they're out there slamming the president because he came out and he diminished. He called what Hamas did what they did. He called it out. That's what Benjamin Netanyahu did. And Netanyahu said, we're not going to just do this one thing. Hamas has been slaughtering innocents for decades. We're going to kill every one of them so this doesn't happen again. Wow. So, that brain surgeon from the Biden administration that I mentioned to you, I think you probably, everybody that listens to me knows I'm talking about Jen Psaki, former 
White House press secretary. I'll tell you how brilliant she is. She got away from, Joe Biden got away from the White House, which I think anybody should be able to do that if they can, because he's a sinking ship, no question about it. But Jen goes to MSNBC. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And of course, she was perpetually every day in White House briefings. She was Joe Biden's number one fan. Forget about what he does. Forget about what he says. Y'all look at me. Listen to me. I'm giving you the facts. I know everything about Joe. She was in the tank, all in for Joe. But maybe, just maybe, Jen Psaki has changed her mind. There's a lot to be concerned about right now when it comes to a second Trump term. Let's continue with Jen Psaki because now she's warning us what evil Donald Trump might do if he gets that second term. And yet, the hand-wringing and cocktail party speculation about an alternative to Joe Biden is continuing, will continue. Guess what? Joe Biden isn't perfect. No candidate is, by the way. But we have to understand what the alternative is here. If elected to a second term, Donald Trump would prosecute anyone he deems an enemy, unleash troops on protesters, and essentially unravel the rule of law as we know it. And this time, he plans to line his administration with people who will actually help him do it. What evidence do you know that she could justifiably make those claims that she just did if Donald Trump is reelected? He would go after every one of his opponents. No, that's what Barack Obama did. He would go after journalists. No, he was in four years. He never went after a journalist. Barack Obama did. This illustrates what I've said for I don't know how long. They say it, and sadly, there are a lot of people out there that hear them saying these things that believe them. Keep listening. But sure, Joe Biden is three years older and occasionally trips over things. Look, there's a lot to be concerned about right now when it comes to a second Trump term. The speeches are getting much more disturbing and much more unhinged, and we should all hear it that way. By the way, Again, you guys know I've been critical of Trump. I'm not supporting Trump right now. I think there's a much better choice on the Republican side in Ron DeSantis. I think that's fairly obvious, and I think a lot of people are going to be shocked in Iowa. But this endless, this hand-wringing, this fear-mongering, this craziness from, by the way, a woman who is now thought of as a journalist on MSNBC who worked for Joe Biden, right? She was the press secretary for Joe Biden, and now she's analyzing the news on MSNBC. Like, the whole thing... You heard what he said. He said, I think there's a better pick than Donald Trump. He is in Florida. And he likes Ron DeSantis. I happen to diminish that. I don't think that's nearly accurate enough. But you know what? Making that, saying that, sharing his opinion, that doesn't mean what he's saying is actually fact. And he didn't come out like Jen Psaki does every time she opens her mouth and saying, you fool, if you don't support Joe Biden and you're thinking about supporting Donald Trump, you're going to die. It's just an absolute farce. But what they fear actually is not that Donald Trump is going to jail his political opponents, which is much more in line with what they would like to do. And it's not that he's going to destroy the other political party or just whatever the craziness of the day is with these people. It's not any of that. 
right? What it really is, is that he, or actually any Republican, might start doing some things that are a little more pro-America. And these people are not interested in America. They're not. They're interested in their version of democracy, which, according to the left, have nothing to do with what any, any Republican thinks, because these evil, stupid Republicans, they don't understand anything. Oh, my gosh. They think Donald Trump did good when he was in office. Uh, Yeah, he cut taxes. We weren't going to have any way to pay for it. Oh, by the way, when he cut taxes, way more money came in in taxes to the federal government, and we expanded. Our inflation went to the bottom, and everybody was doing better. But, you know, that was just a... That was just an accident. Well, it's top of the hour, second hour on Tuesday. What happens every Tuesday? Steve Baker joins us. I got something special for you regarding Steve Baker after this. He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. So you guys grew up together? Yes, since third grade. What are you looking at? I wasn't not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Jesus! Supermodels! What do you model? Gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. Baker has become a family member to this show. He and I are very close friends. Um, we talk a lot. I can guarantee you know that we are very close because of the way we talk when he's on this show. He called me early this morning. He's back in Washington, D.C., and he's there to go into a trial. And he told me this morning, he said, you will not believe what's going on today in Washington. He said at 6 o'clock this morning, he said the streets are full of people. And he said something big is up. Well, they're having this big Israeli demonstration there today. And he said, I'm not sure I can get loose in time for the show. If I can't, can we postpone it until later in the week? And, of course, I told him absolutely yes. So he's not going to be with us this hour. But he did ask me to tell you that you need to sit tight because we've got some very important things to share. And if he gets loose during this hour, he'll immediately pick up the phone and call us. 
And for those of you that didn't know, if you were here last week and he told us about him getting mugged on the street and somebody taking his briefcase with all of his laptop and all of the stuff that he uses to do the job he does as an investigative reporter, it was stolen. But right after the show last Tuesday, I got a big text from him that said, the cops recovered it all, everything. So he was made whole, as he should be, because he's Steve Baker. So again, he may be here in the next hour to give us an update on what's going on there. He was actually kind of afraid because, you know, we've got all this animus in the air. It's Hamas against Israel, Israel against Hamas, and they're having demonstrations not just across the United States in big cities, but all around the world, and it's not good. And, of course, Washington, D.C. is always ripe for some big nasty happening up there, right? Anyway, there's news out about our mail-in voting thing. You know this. We all know this. The left loves to tout their universal mail voting. Liberal enclaves in places like California, Hawaii, and Oregon, they've implemented it. Activists push aggressively to impose mail-in voting on Americans. But even as they push it, despite repeated examples of fraud, the left simultaneously attacks any efforts to make vulnerable mail voting more secure. Indeed, the left holds outright disdain for even minimal safeguards for their mail ballots. Right now, today, the left's nationwide assault on election security, it's playing out primarily in the courtrooms. Any obligation to provide proof that the person returning the ballot is the real person, the correct person, They're going to challenge that until the walls fall down. They're fighting common sense laws. Listen to this. In Texas, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, Michigan, and countless other states. On Friday, the most recent battle played out in the Kansas Supreme Court. There, Mark Elias, who is the left's primary litigator slash tweeter, and his team fought to eliminate two utterly routine mail ballot security measures that were passed by who? The representatives of Kansans, their state legislature. Listen to this. First, Elias sought to eliminate the only way Kansas ensures that a ballot came from the voter who was supposed to cast it by verifying the voter's signature. Wow, that's evil. If the left gets its way, and bans signature matching, once Kansas sends out a ballot, officials will have no way to verify who really returned it. They would be barred from comparing the signature on the ballot with the signatures in the voter's file, including even the signature that the voter gave the ballot was requested mere weeks prior. Now, why would any American want that to happen? You know the answer to that. The left... They totally hate the election system, and they do anything and everything they can to corrupt it. Kansas's generous cure process, if the signature match fails, ah, that wasn't enough to satisfy those on the left. According to Kansas law, if a ballot is rejected 
an election official must call the voter, listen to this, three times, leave a detailed message, and then send a letter. This procedure, which is well beyond what most states require, ensures that valid ballots are not mistakenly rejected. But no cure procedure is good enough for the left. For them, signature matching got to be eliminated. Second, Elias argued against any limits on ballot trafficking. Kansas allows a person to collect and return another person's mail ballot. Most states don't do that. Rather than bar organized third-party collection entirely, a best practice adopted in other states, Kansas limits the collector to returning a maximum of 10 ballots. Now, this measure doesn't go so far as to outlaw ballot trafficking, but it prevents egregious scenarios where union, activists, and partisan ballot collectors can each return hundreds of ballots. Ballot harvesting. So unless you believe that Kansas is an outlier, this case comes on the heels of efforts to weaken signature matching rules by liberal secretaries of state in places like Arizona and Michigan. Arizona, there the weakening was defeated. But in Michigan, Secretary Benson has been successful maintaining very lax standards for determining if signatures match. And what about those rednecks in Texas, huh? There, the left is attacking signature matching on the front end by suing to allow a voter's file to be populated with electronic signatures made by the voter's finger on an iPad. Of course, comparing finger signatures to ink signatures, that's unreliable at best, but it doesn't end there. You might think that if signature matching is bad, maybe more concrete comparisons like, you know, identification numbers would be better. But the left hates that even more. They're challenging. You can't believe this. They're challenging minimal ID requirements for mail ballots in Texas. They're arguing against asking the voter to provide their driver's license number or even their last four of their social security. That's Texas. And in Georgia, demanding that voters cannot be required to provide their birth date. Think about in your state, just for a second, think about in your state, what can you not do if you don't give somebody your driver's license, which contains in most states at least the last four digits of your social security card, your birth date, and a picture of you? Oh, in Texas and Georgia, they don't want that. Oh, no. And then there's Wisconsin. Elias is challenging the requirement that there be a witness that can verify that the ballot was cast appropriately and without influence. We can't bear to throw that obligation on anybody, right? Elias's attacks weaken mail ballot security, period. The left will ignore it, but fraud involving absentee ballots is a real thing. Scandals have hit Kentucky, Connecticut, and North Carolina, to name a few in the last few weeks, leaving discredited elections and disenfranchised voters 
in their wake. This is happening every week now. Why is it happening now? You remember after the 2020 debacle, the January 6th debacle, courtrooms were getting flooded with lawsuits. And everybody on the left, they've been screaming from the mountaintops. None of those cases survived. They were all ruled there was no election fraud. That's not true. Numerous ones were adjudicated, were considered in court. These are state court issues, balloting, how to ballot, who can vote, the circumstances of voting, all those things are state by state. 90 plus percent of the election cases that were filed after 2020, 90 plus percent were kicked out of the court before anything was done. You know why? The people that filed them didn't have standing in that state to file a lawsuit for potential cheating. Only people from that state could, and it took several years to get that all going and rolling again, and every week now we're hearing about this one happened over here and this one happened over there, and it's revealing in large part all of this cheating is in mail-in ballots. The left unabashedly push for universal mail-in balloting. But every turn, fights all efforts to ensure the ballot returned is really from the voter who asked for it. They want to eliminate any kind of voter identification. And no system, whether it be signature matching, voter ID, or basic witness requirement, none will escape their anger. Ultimately, they want partisans to be able to collect unlimited mail balance and states to have means, no means, to verify these were the votes of actual voters rather than traffickers. So what's going to be the result? Campaigns will not be about ideas. They won't be about campaign, those campaigning and the issues and the things they support, things they want to do away. It won't be about any of that stuff going to be decided by which candidate can develop the better balloting trafficking machine and who can get more people out there to cheat for them. You think we're not headed there? I don't think we're headed there. I think we're already there. And it's just now getting revealed. I honestly feel that. Wow. Wow. Well, let's go back for a minute to what happened yesterday. And I'm talking about the impeachment measure that was filed by Marjorie Taylor Greene, representative of a Republican out of Georgia. It didn't work in the House. It was tabled for future motion. Tom Homan is one American. You know, he's been with ICE and Border Patrol his entire career. He just went postal yesterday over this Mayorkas impeachment failure. Look, I've been calling for Secretary Mayorkas impeachment for over two years. And the Republicans need to get off their butts and get it done. Under this secretary, we have lost control of the border. We had record number of known, known as suspected terrorists being arrested at the border. We got a record number of gotaways. And we got a record number of Americans dying from fentanyl overdoses. We got you know, 112,000. You got, yeah. got 1,700 migrants that died on U.S. soil. Every record he's broken has been a bad record. If they can impeach President Trump, 
for making a phone call to Ukraine. They certainly can piece Alejandro Mayorkas for turning his back on the security of this United States. He has all the data points you and I have been talking about. He knows the data, but he's ignoring it, and he's had done a damn thing to slow the flow on that southern border. That's right. Not one thing. You never have to wonder where Tom Homan is about that. I mean, he has been at it from the very beginning, talking about cheating, talking about illegal immigration. None of it. None of it's legal the way it's it's happening, not a single thing. How long can the United States of America sustain this? How long? Think about, for a moment, just the voting system. Don't you think it would be more prudent to make sure that every person that says they voted really is the one that voted? And just using something that they already have, they're required to have for a multitude of things, driver's license, passports, voter's card, registration, any of that. It's realistic because here's the thing the left doesn't want people to believe or understand. It is the most precious right and should be a requirement for every American to participate in the voting system. Why? That's the way we form our government and reform our government every couple of years. We're the ones that choose who's going to Washington, D.C. to represent us on every federal issue. The same thing happens regarding our local law enforcement, legislation, rules, I'm talking about, you know, police juries in Louisiana, city councils in other states. I'm talking about the House of Representatives in each state, the Senate in each state, and both of those at the federal level. We, the people, pick those. Why do we pick them? Is it because they're the best-looking, the smartest, the fastest talkers? Some people vote that way. But the majority of Americans, they want the right people there that care about them the voters that care about what these people see are dealing with locally and nationally and what they want their representatives going to Washington, D.C. are going to do when they get there. If those people don't do it two years later, there's a way to remove them. Vote them out of office. I think in large part, the voting representative representation in the polls that I've seen about Joe Biden, I think it is way worse than what the polls are saying. Americans are not stupid. And Americans always vote with their pocketbooks, with the money in their lives, or the lack of money in their lives as it pertains directly to who they vote for. You can say a lot of things about Donald Trump. I don't like a lot of things about Donald Trump. I don't agree with his messaging process. I don't agree with things that he says or how he says it in large part. But you cannot credibly disagree. You can disagree all you want to, but you can't credibly disagree with this one thing. I, economically, in my life, are way worse off than I was during the four years of Donald Trump. And during that four years with Donald Trump, I was way better, especially economically, than I was during the eight years of Joe Biden and 
Barack Obama in Washington. Those are facts. Most Americans feel the same way. I honestly do believe it is a ploy. It is a ploy to convince people or try to convince people that things are not what they really are, but you do that to get them to think like you for an advantage for you, not the voter, but just simply an advantage for the person that wants you to vote for them. You know what that really is? Cold, hard evil. Abusing other people just to make something happen that you want to happen, not what they think is best. Shame them into doing it. This upcoming Donald Trump federal criminal action trial, they're calling it a trial, conspiracy trial. He wants it carried live by the media for the entire world to see. I want this trial to be seen by everybody in the world, he told attendees at a campaign event up in New Hampshire over the weekend. The prosecution wants to continue this travesty in darkness. I want sunlight. Ironically, the frontrunner for the GOP's presidential nomination has been charged with election interference, with the trial expected to start in March, just as the campaign trail heats up. So to that end, Trump's legal team filed a motion last Friday that backs the media's request for cameras in the courtroom. And by the way, I probably don't need to say this, but that request, cameras in the courtroom, the Department of Justice is deadly against and is opposing it in court. President Trump absolutely agrees, and in fact, he demands that these court proceedings should be fully televised so that the American public can see firsthand that this case, just like others, is little more than a dreamt-up unconstitutional charade that should never be allowed to happen again. That's coming from attorneys John Lauro and Todd Blanchet writing on behalf of Trump. Every person in America and beyond should have the opportunity to study this case firsthand and watch, as if there's a trial, President Trump exonerates himself of these baseless and politically motivated charger. That's in the filing. These proceedings should be fully televised so the American public can see firsthand that this case is little more than a dreamt-up constitutional charade, Trump's lawyers argued. In a November 3rd filing, Smith opposed the notion of live coverage. He argued it could intimidate witnesses and jurors. BizPAC Review reported that Trump's team has been fighting just Chutkin and Smith over the issue of those gag orders. Chutkin imposed a gag order, we talked about it early in the show, against Trump on October 17th. In the wake of the initial appeal by Trump, the order was reimposed on the 29th of October. Earlier this month, after a filing with the U.S. Court of Appeals for D.C., the gag order was, quote, administratively stayed pending further order of the court. No court in American history has ever imposed a gag order on a criminal defendant who is actively campaigning for public office, let alone the leading candidate for president. 
This is in the court filing. The gag order, Trump's lawyers argued, muzzled President Trump's core political speech during an historic presidential campaign. For many, the attempts to silence Trump were yet another example of a politically motivated injustice. More reason, his supporters say, to want the trial to be covered live. Let the world see this kangaroo court, this banana republic BS, one user wrote on X. Do it. The corruption of this kangaroo court will be displayed for the world to see, another stated. George Soros will regret paying for this fiasco. There's obviously a reason they don't want us to watch it. According to the Associated Press, federal court rules prohibit broadcasting proceedings. But the Associated Press and other news organizations, they say the unprecedented case of a former president standing trial on accusations that he tried to subvert the will of voters, that warrants making an exception to the rule. <laughs> and i got to be honest, I kind of agree with that one. I want to watch every minute. I want to grab a bag of popcorn and sit in my chair and watch every minute of them try to roast Donald Trump. I'm not an attorney. You probably aren't either. But if you are, even then, you should know there are limits. There are limits that have been purposely put in place in our Constitution and subsequent law, state by state and all over the nation in the federal court systems. There are rules that are put in there. And the first set of rules, if you remember, for all of the United States was the United States Supreme Court. And there are things that guaranteed within it that the people that wrote the Constitution didn't have when they came over here in the nations they came from. You know who controlled everything? Big-time politicians like Bill and Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and even others before those It's supposed to be equal justice, equal treatment under the law. Not so if your last name is Trump. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. At Aukio, we've been making the best in mobile phones for over 20 years. How did we get there? By putting ringtones in every commercial that make you think your phone is ringing. Whether you have a new phone, an old phone, or just leave it on vibrate, we make sure you always hear your phone in our commercials. It's our way of saying, we hear you. So don't be silenced when opportunity calls, pick it up. It's for you. Akio Mobile. You're juvenile, mate. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a Dare Ice Coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta Coffee Kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A Dare Iced Coffee Fix will fix it.
Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black, flavored lattes and iced coffee. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? <laughs> it's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Getting tired of only spin while looking for just the news? No spin, just truth. Read and hear it every day on TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. For those of you that tuned in a little bit late, second hour on Tuesday every day belongs to Steve Baker, investigative journalist, one of our partners at TNN Live. He is in D.C. today. And he reached out to me, I guess about 6 a.m. my time this morning, saying he was on the streets trying to get in line for a court case that he is up there observing in his capacity as investigative reporter. And he said there was going to be no way that he could guarantee he would be able to join us on the show. So I've been watching and listening. He said if anything huge happens during this time of the show today, He'll be sure and reach out immediately, and we'll go live to him. We're still saying that. If you haven't heard about this march that's supposed to kick off at 1 o'clock this afternoon, that's 1 o'clock Eastern time. That would be 12 noon our time in the Central. It's formed, and it's called the March for Israel. And its organizers are saying they're expecting 100,000 people turning out for the event. It's going to happen on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., now, a coalition of Jewish organizations planned the march, and they're doing it to show their solidarity with the people of Israel in the wake of these terror attacks. And we have to remind you over and over again, during those attacks, Hamas terrorists infiltrated, infiltrated the Jewish state, and they massacred more than 1,200 Israelis, and those were mostly civilians. Israel, too, unless you forgot, they have declared, formally declared war on Hamas last month, and Israel has relentlessly bombed the Gaza Strip, sent ground forces into the Palestinian territory to eliminate the terrorist group. You heard that. It's come out of the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's mouth again and again. Their ultimate goal is to totally eliminate the entire terrorist group Hamas and to free the remaining 238 hostages taken in the initial attack. Can you, here's what I can't imagine about our president. He has made no attempts to find out how many Americans are numbered among those 238 hostages, even if the number 238 is real. How many Americans are there and who are they? Who are they? If you remember the last similar situation of this was in Iran way back when Jimmy Carter was still president of the United States. 
and they locked up and held hostage in the U.S. Embassy in Tehran dozens and dozens of Americans and kept them there for more than a year. Even in that case, we knew who were being held. We don't have a clue who number among these 238 hostages that the Hamas people are apparently holding. Joe Biden's made no attempt to find out. If I was president of the United States, that would be the first thing I would do. And to justify and to make sure they responded, I would tell them, I'll give you till this time to send me the list and proof of life, which would be video showing each one of these Americans that are hostage. And then we can talk after that, but not until. And if you don't comply, we will make it extremely difficult for you and you'll wish that you did it without telling them what you would do. And then when that time passed, do whatever you warned them that you would do. Do it in any situation. You don't you don't negotiate with terrorists. The fact that they are terrorists proves to you they don't give a rip about what's good or what's right or wrong. They're going to do what terrorists do. Terrorize people they want something from, period. In the U.S., it's always been called blackmail. In this whole debacle, thousands of Palestinian civilians have been killed in crossfire, a consequence of Hamas placing military targets next to civilian infrastructure like schools, homes, hospitals, and both Israeli and U.S. officials are saying that. That's a fact. It's happening. But from Israel's side, do not forget this. Israel warned all civilian Palestinians to get out of Gaza, get out of the Strip, and told them where to go. They even facilitated them doing that to get to safety. And they were going to invade Israel, and they have now. But they delayed doing so for three weeks, telling these civilians every day, get out of Dodge. That's a saying, get out of Dodge. It's really get out of Gaza. You can say what you want about Israelis. You can, the Jewish people. They don't indiscriminately take the lives of others. They never have throughout history. And I think there's nobody on the planet that better understands what that means because six million of their fellow Jews, many of them are relatives of the Jews, the the nine million Jews that live in Israel today, many of those people that are alive today in Israel, they had relatives that were exterminated, numbered among six million in World War II by Adolf Hitler. They know what's going on, and they know what's at stake. Do we? Do our leaders? <laughs> Is that a real question that I, I should be asking? So in all of this demonstration stuff going on, the pressure on Biden to intervene in that conflict over there, it's been relentless. On Saturday, by the way, nobody talked much about this, but a mob of left-wing activists descended on Biden's home in Delaware They were demanding that, quote, genocide Joe, end quote, 
force a ceasefire. Now, how the heck could Joe Biden force Benjamin Netanyahu to conduct a ceasefire? <laughs> I wonder if Joe thinks that he, he might have that kind of power. I don't think he does. On another weekend marked by highly organized anti-Israel mass demonstrations, hundreds of people marched on the geriatric Democrats' Wilmington mansion where they call for him to tie the Jewish nation's hands in eliminating the threat to its existence from the terrorists who slaughtered over 1,300 of his citizens in October, and they want it wiped off the face of the map. Biden was spending yet another weekend away from the Capitol, having retreated to his personal residence. After stumbling his way through a Veterans Day event at Arlington Cemetery, and the mob was determined to not allow him to have any peace until Hamas is given a chance to regroup. Now think that process through. They slaughtered 1,200 of you in the middle of the night. Okay, let's just kind of set that to the side. And so they began to fight every day, all day, every day. But wait a minute. Israel didn't tell us this, but starting the third day of this, Israel on its own, started resting. In other words, it was a time for four hours in the middle of each day. Israel gave people freedom to walk around, do what they needed to do. It was a unannounced ceasefire or pause. And they were already doing that when Biden finally got chutzpah enough and he came back and he started talking about a pause And he did that for days, and nobody bothered to tell Joe that Israel had already been doing it on their own. But Israel did it by their own choice because they are not evil, certainly not the way the terrorists inside of Hamas are. Those people out of Joe's house were screaming, Biden, Biden, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. We come to demand a ceasefire now, they said. We demand an end to all military aid to the state of Israel. Well, he just wrote a check a few weeks ago. Did you know this? $400 to the Palestinians. $400 million more dollars, your tax dollars and mine. Did we get a vote on that? Nope. These people screamed, we demand an end to the cease on Gaza and an end to the occupation. President Biden, you're our president. We demand these things of you. That came from a Delaware state representative, Medina Wilson-Anton, one of the marcher's organizers. The participants included allies from out of state, according to the state's chapter of Democrat Socialist of America. That's a radical, very radical. It's a communist, far-leftist organization that never passes up any chance to leech onto a cause that can be used as a vehicle to promote its destructive anti-American agenda. What we're witnessing here Oppressed people around the world finally feel like, me too, exclaimed one participant in a video on X. The sad part is we Americans are funding a genocide, she said. 
But let me say this to you. This is the end, and Joe Biden committed political suicide. Nobody's going for it anymore, and there's going to be a serious uprising. I just prayed this morning for Steve when I got that update from him being in the middle of all this today, praying for his safety, because, folks, there there are some radicals involved in this. They don't give a rip of what happens to anybody. They're out there for their own cause or causes, and they don't care about anybody. They don't care about goodness or righteousness or doing the right thing. That's not who they are. That's not who they are. They're all about whatever things they want, whatever things that they think are the right things. Forget about the rule of law. Forget about any of that. Joe Biden doesn't believe in the rule of law or he would be enforcing it, which is what he promised in his oath of office when he took it, to protect and defend the people of America. Can anybody credibly say he's protecting the people of America, letting all these illegals come in here that have committed so much in the way of criminal activity against Americans, a thousand people in Texas, a thousand people in Texas have died at the hands of illegals, actual murders. Those are fundamental facts released by the Department of Homeland Security. They kind of hide it so nobody sees it. So what do you think somebody like uh, Bill Maher thinks about what's going on. And Bill Maher has always been a big Barack Obama fan. What do you think Bill Maher thinks about the speech that the former president gave last Thursday just going after the Israeli people? Listen to this. Meanwhile, colleges across the country are under pressure to condemn rising anti-Semitism. Many universities are saying that they're not doing enough. Excuse me. Many are saying that universities are not doing enough to protect Jewish students. We've been talking a bit about that. I want to add Christine Rosen to the conversation. She's a senior fellow at American Enterprise Institute. Excited to talk to you, so I'm like tripping over myself. Uh, here's an open letter to Harvard. This was signed by 1,600-plus alums. We never thought that at Harvard College we would have to argue the point that terrorism against civilians demands immediate and unequivocal condemnation. We never thought we would have to argue for recognition of our own humanity. Are letters like this packing a punch? They are, and thank goodness they are. It's been five weeks since the attack on October October 7th, and I think what a lot of people, alumni of these colleges, former staff and faculty, and parents whose kids are interested in applying to them are realizing is that this double standard in terms of the colleges protecting their students is so blatant, so obvious, and the moral equivocation that's going on among administrators and college presidents so egregious that... Something has broken, and people are fighting back. I think it's good that donors are doing this. I think it's excellent that alumni are doing this. And it's not just Jewish students and Jewish alumni and Jewish right. donors. It's across the, the board. When the donors, like a, a, a Bill Ackman, right, a big donor, mm-hmm. it, when he says something, I imagine that they pay attention. Yes. And, but are, do you see any evidence that any of the universities are changing or taking a different tactic? It's a good question. Now, we're seeing little hints of it. Uh, I think it's some of it is too little too late. Columbia University, for example, has suspended some of its Palestinian student groups who were attacking Jewish students. We do see on campus um, one side of this debate is masking its faces and committing acts of assault and violence and hate speech, and the other side is holding vigils for hostages. So, it, again, the contrast is clear. But what I would encourage a lot of these universities to do is to start thinking long-term. How are you going to solve this problem? This is a systemic problem for a lot of these places. 
cases. So, for example, Columbia suspends these two student groups that have been uh, assaulting students and, and saying terrible things for, I believe, about a month. They instantly go on social media and say, well, watch our actions. They're going to follow our words and watch Columbia. Thinly veiled threats. So they obviously aren't, the student groups aren't taking this as any sort of punishment. So this is fine for now, but these are stopgap measures. These universities need long-term plans to solve the problem of anti-Semitism. Well, it might not help when you have somebody like former President Obama with remarks like this. Take a listen. You have to take in the whole truth. And you then have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that all of us are complicit to some degree. And Bill Maher, he'd had enough of that conversation. This is what he said this weekend. I am struggling with people's moral equivalency still. I mean, Barack Obama, who has rarely disappointed me, did so this week. The attack was only a month ago. A more savage attack than we've ever seen in reverse. There's a big difference between collateral damage and what Hamas did. When they fire at Israel, it's a war. When Israel fires back, it's a war crime. A little crazy. Will this conversation filter down to college campuses? I hope so, because to be lectured on complicity by a former president whose own administration deliberately misled the American people about its Iran policy is a little rich. Good for Bill Maher for saying that. And that's actually another part of the conversation. Iran is backing Hamas, Hezbollah, these terrorist groups. And so the moral equivalency point is very important here. We need to be able to say as Americans, as educators, as college presidents, it is not the same thing to, uh, for terrorists to attack innocent uh, civilians as Hamas did to Israelis and then act as if any reaction on the part of Israel to defend itself is, a, is genocide or war crime. These things just simply aren't true. You're a mom. Um, you have teen children. And there are moms that are out there, moms and dads, who are saying, is, what can I tell my children? Or what, where can I point them? What can I give to them to give them more of an understanding of what's happening rather than them getting maybe peer pressured into going to one of these... Uh, pro-Palestinian rallies. Yes, well, the first thing I would say is uh, get off TikTok. <laughs> there, are, there is a lot of uh, very pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas uh, propaganda, basically, on that social media site in particular. Get off social media. Start reading more broadly. There are lots of smaller journals. I write for one of them, Commentary Magazine, Tablet Magazine. There are a lot of places that students can go to educate themselves more broadly. There are wonderful history books. Michael Oren has written a great book, many great books about Israel. They need to broaden their horizons. The, the two-second video that someone posts on TikTok is probably not going to be your best source of information. I did hear one thing that was positive this weekend. So a friend of mine, his, her son is a freshman at Northwestern, and some kids were doing a die-in, right? And he said that all the st other students were just stepping over them as they went to class and ignoring them. And that also might be a way. Voting with your feet, yes. I Christine <laughs> Rosen, follow her, a commentary magazine and AEI. Thank you. Thank you. Do, you. do you think these people that are so anti-Israel, especially here in the United States, do you think they really believe that Israel is evil? Or is this just another thing, thing, that nothing that Hamas is being accused of actually happens? You think these people really think that or they don't care? Let me give you an example. Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari who's the Israeli defense spokesman, he visited a site of the hospital where they discovered Hamas was using this hospital for children in western Gaza where they house weapons 
and hostages. Inside the hospital, this Admiral Hagari showed a cache of Hamas weapons that were found inside the hospital. Big weapons, not just little guns. I mean big weapons. This kind of gear is gear for a major fight, he said. These are explosives, he said, noting the dangerous items were stored all around patients and children in the hospital, putting these things in children's rooms. In addition, Hagari showed evidence that Israeli hostages were likely held in the hospital basement. There was a motorcycle riddled with bullets, a chair with a rope, women's clothes, and a baby bottle, and an improvised toilet along with diapers. Now, Hamas is known to hold at least 30 child hostages, including several infants. There was also an improvised ventilation system, a room in which a curtain had been placed against a blank wall, suggesting that the room had been used for filming hostages. There was also a log of guard duty shifts. Hagari, in a briefing to reporters about the video, said Hamas was guilty of war crimes and crimes against humanity. Israel has long maintained that Hamas uses the larger Shifa Hospital in Gaza City as their actual headquarters. You may have seen the diagrams in the videos of this multi-level Hamas headquarters below the actual hospital. Israel, by the way, has been helping to evacuate that hospital while fighting Hamas terrorists in the vicinity with the hope of eventually entering, and of course if they go into it, they're going to destroy the Hamas headquarters and anybody in it. I, in my opinion, I don't see anything good coming out of this. You know that scripture that says all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purposes? That's when people want to do the right things. Hamas, they just simply want to destroy Israel. Nobody wins in this. Nobody. War always brings death. That's the only sure thing that comes along with war. Pray for the Israeli people. And by the way, pray for the Palestinian national people and pray that Hamas will loosen their grip. Hezbollah will back off. This has got to stop. There's no good end in sight. And if it continues to go down that path, I don't see a good ending. I don't at all. What do I think it'll be? I'm not even going to share that now because it would simply be a thought or opinion. I'm not there and I don't have any information that you don't have access to. Well, maybe so, but nothing dramatic. On that note, we're going to end the day. Thanks for being here today. You guys have a great Tuesday. Stay close. Steve Baker, when he gets something, he'll reach out to us and watch us at truthnewsnet.org. We'll share it. Another summer day has come and gone away in Paris and Rome. I wanna go home. Mm-hmm. Maybe surrounded by a million people, I 
still feel all alone Just wanna go home Oh, I miss you, you know And I've been keeping all the letters That I wrote to you Each one in line or two I'm fine, baby, how are you? I would send them, but I know that it's just not enough My words were cold and flat And you deserve more than that Another airplane, another sunny place I'm lucky, I know, but I want to go home I got to go home Let me go home I'm just too far from where you are I wanna come home Someone else's life It's like I just stepped outside When everything was going right And I know just why You could not come along with me That this was not your dream But you always believed in me Another winter day has come and gone away In either Paris or Rome And I wanna go home Let me go home And I'm surrounded by a million people I still feel alone And let me go home Oh, I miss you, you know Let me go home Let me go home 